0: Welcome to PantherCast, the official podcast of TMI Episcopal, where we share stories from our alumni, updates about the school, and help you reconnect and discover what the TMI community is all about. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of TMI's PantherCast podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Director of Community Relations. Today, I'm pleased to bring you the audio of our two most recent chapel talks from this past week by Andrew Higer and Michael Robinson, TMI class of 2019. Our first featured talk is from Andrew Higer. Andrew began attending TMI his freshman year and is hoping to attend Texas A&M next fall where he plans to study international relations. Thank you for listening and now enjoy this senior chapel talk.
1: My mother was driving, and I was in the backseat of the car when it all went down. We had just left the mall, we had bought some new school clothes. We were on the road when I began screaming. She's gone. I wailed as we sped down Loop 410. By now, I was panicking. My mother let out an exasperated sigh as I cheerfully told her of my dilemma. My best friend, who had come with us to the mall, was not in the car. My mother, not really understanding the urgency of the situation, calmly drove the car to a place where she could turn it around and head back in the direction we had come from. I was having a nervous breakdown. How could I have been so neglectful to lose sight of her? As we drove, my mind raced with all the terrible things that could have possibly fallen my companion. Finally, after what felt like an eternity, we pulled up to the mall. I jumped out of the car and ran inside. I raced into Macy's, speeding past racks of clothes and happy shoppers. A cashier waved hello, but I was too busy running down each aisle, searching. Finally, next to a table of jeans, on the floor, I found her. My mother caught up with me, and an annoyed voice said, can you please pick up your stuffed animal so we can leave? When I was only one year old, our neighbor at the time, gifted me with a plush elephant toy as a birthday present. I don't actually remember that day, but my parents tell me it was love at first sight and that immediately we became inseparable. I loved her. She was my best friend. I loved her deep blue eyes, her soft skin, how she was always there for me. What I loved most was her big elephant ears and trunk. I gave her the name Ellie. All day, every day, 24-7, I was with her, in the car, at breakfast, in my bed at night, and sometimes even in my backpack at school where I would smuggle her in. One of my favorite activities with Ellie was to suck on the satin lining at the bottom of her. I don't know why I found this to be interesting or amusing, but I can tell you my parents did not. Sometimes I would suck on Ellie and eat at the same time, causing the place where I had put my mouth to turn a dark and disgusting shade of brown. My <laughs> My parents would then have to take my stuffed animal away from me and wash it. I never wanted Ellie to leave my sight. I was wholly attached to the blue elephant and could not bear the thought of not being with it. At night, I would not go to bed without Ellie. If I could not find her, I would make everyone in the house search high and low in order to retrieve the lost stuffed elephant. I was obsessed with the toy, to say the least. Eventually, as the years were on, you can imagine that Ellie became worn out her once brilliant blue eyes began to become cloudy and scratched from years of being scrubbed in the washing machine. Her satin lining at the bottom became a gray color and her seams began to come undone. Yet, I still clung on to her. For seven years, I didn't let go. I had Ellie well past the average age people began to give up their stuffed animals, but I couldn't let her go. For most of my life, the only thing I had known was Ellie. The idea of not having her with me seemed absolutely impossible and I was prepared to have her with me forever. One night, however, I was about to get under the covers and go to bed. I realized that Ellie was not there. This had happened before. I occasionally would misplace Ellie throughout the day, and after a while of searching, I'd find her tucked away in some corner. This time, however, I could not even remember taking Ellie out of my bed. Panicked, I began to look all over my room and all the usual places. When I could not find her there, I moved looking all over the house, even the backyard. After hours of scouring the house for my stuffed elephant, my parents told me that it was too late to look anymore and that I had to go to bed. Defeated, I returned to my room and went to bed without my stuffed elephant. I remember that night very well. I did not sleep at all. My mind was racing with all the things that could have happened to Ellie and even worse. What was going to happen to me? Without Ellie by my side, I was sure that something terrible was going to happen to me. At one point in the night, I was convinced that the chupacabra had snuck into my bathroom and that if I moved, it would eat me. I was paralyzed with fear. When the sun came up, I began my search again, but it was in vain. No matter how hard and long I looked for her, I could not find Ellie anywhere. Eventually, I gave up and the fact that I might never find Ellie again. At first, it was hard. I was scared of going to bed in the dark. I was convinced that I was dependent upon Ellie to do simple tasks such as falling asleep. Over the course of the next few weeks, I slowly became less and less attached to her. I realized that I, in fact, could go to sleep with a stuffed animal at my side, and that I could have just as much fun with my family and friends as I had with Ellie. I began to talk to my friends and hang out with my family more than I had before. At long last, I learned to become independent from my one-sided codependency on Ellie, of Ellie. When I lost Ellie, I gained some wisdom. Until that point in my life, I believed that simply because I had not done something before that it must then be impossible and that I was incapable of doing it. I learned that this was not true. Soon, I'll be going to college and in May, it will be time to say goodbye to TMI along with all our teachers who support and motivate us, our friends we see every day, the place where we play here at sports, participate in dodgeball tournaments, and all sorts of other things. But most importantly, we're saying farewell to what we are comfortable with. However, this doesn't mean that going away will be impossible. Just because you have never tried something before doesn't mean that it can't be done. Ellie helped teach me that. And even though I'm scared or nervous about what will come next in my life, I know now, thanks to Ellie, that it's not impossible. A wise person once said, if you love something, let it go, and if it loves you, it'll come back. I would like to expand on that and say, if you love something, let it go, and if it loves you, you just might find it stored away in a box in your grandmother's house. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Our final chapel talk from last week is by Michael Robinson. Michael started attending TMI as a freshman. He's hoping to attend Trinity or St. Edwards University next fall, where he plans to study secondary education. Thank you for listening, and now, enjoy this Senior Chapel Talk.
2: Imagine you are sitting in an uncomfortable chair, your legs bouncing up and down with anticipation, and fingers tapping a rapid, erratic beat. The only sound filling your ears is the monotone droning of the person ahead of you. You look over your papers one last time as polite applause signals that it's your turn now. Your chair drags backwards across the floor as you step away from what is probably the weirdest desk you have ever had the displeasure to sit at. You shamble up towards the podium, clutching your stack of papers like a lifeline. As you stand before a semicircle of cold, unfeeling faces, You forget what you were supposed to say. When you look down at your papers for a quick reminder, you find them blank. You whip your head around, wildly, panicked. There were words there just a second ago. The empty pages crumble and turn to dust in your hands as the faces around you turn harsh. You want nothing more than to sink into the floor and disappear. And that's exactly what happens. You look down at your feet and realize you are slowly sinking into the floor as the walls of the suddenly too small room are closing in around you. You try to cry out, but you find you can no longer breathe. You are slowly crushed as the ceiling caves in around you. You close your eyes for what may well be the last time, but when you open them again, everything is normal. You are back in the uncomfortable chair, tucked into the irregular desk. Your papers, no longer blank, lay neatly in front of you. You breathe a deep sigh of relief. But that relief is short-lived as you realize it's your turn. Again, time to start the whole thing over, with something else going wrong this time. This is an over-exaggerated narrative of what living life with anxiety is like. On a normal day, having anxiety usually just means that I avoid eye contact in halls stick to my friends and give and sit in the same spot every day in class it's bigger things that give me real problems if i go to the doctor and think it's just a checkup but end up getting shots i'll have no problem however if i know i'm going to get shots and sit there and think about it all day then i'll probably throw up beforehand a chapel talk definitely counts as a big thing and is one of the most unique and frightening things I first noticed when I came to TMI. A chapel talk, as I found out, is no mere 30-second recitation, but a speech that would be given to the whole school. While the thought of giving any sort of speech in front of that many people was terrifying, the thought of having to write it myself on a topic that I came up with myself was completely foreign to me. I'd never written anything with such vague guidelines before. The first plan that came to mind was, at the start of senior year, dig a big hole, crawl into said hole, put a boulder on top of the hole, and stay there for the rest of my life. I had to trash that plan pretty quickly because I figured I'd eventually get tired of eating dirt and worms. So I just accepted the fact that I'd eventually have to write a dreaded chapel talk. Luckily for me, by freshman year, I had developed two beautiful and completely healthy strategies for handling things that made me anxious. Procrastination and denial. Don't get me wrong, while I do mean that mostly as a joke, it was a pretty foolproof plan for the first two and a half years of my TMI career. Where my two favorite problem solvers began to give me problems, though, was in the second semester of junior year. This is when I actually had to, you know, start working. Much to the chagrin of junior year me, the looming deadline of a chapel talk didn't just go away like I hoped it would. I actually had to write it. While I'm sure that some people know what their chapel talk will be about the moment they set foot on campus, I, along with the rest of normal people here, had no idea. So I thought to myself, what have I been through that gives me a unique perspective that could be at least vaguely useful to everyone else? And as you might have guessed by now, I came up with anxiety. I didn't always have anxiety. It started shortly after high school did, and I know how terrifying it can be, especially to someone who isn't used to it. So while anxiety was a pretty good topic for me, I refused to leave it at that, both because it seemed cliche, and I seemingly enjoy making things harder for myself. So I replayed, in my head, all the chapel talks I had heard over the years, thinking about the message I ended up with after each one. And it gave me an answer, just not the one I was looking for. Because the thing I remembered thinking, after all of these talks, was not really a message, but more of a feeling. I'm so glad I don't have to give my chapel talk yet. And suddenly, there it was. I had my topic. Not just anxiety, but chapel talk anxiety. The way most chapel talks are usually structured is a story, and then something that the speaker has learned that might be helpful to the audience. Unfortunately, the secrets of the universe don't unlock once you reach senior year, so a chapel talk is probably one of the biggest things I can think of that seniors have gone through that the rest of the school hasn't. It's a little meta if you think about it, giving advice to a large group of people about giving advice to a large group of people. And to complicate things further, I wrote my advice for giving advice before I actually gave said advice. So I suppose what I'm really doing is giving advice about how to write advice so that you can later give that advice without panicking because you've never given advice before. Does that make sense? (laughs) Now that the word advice itself is enough to make you roll your eyes, I'll actually get to giving it. I want to skip past the standard public speaking advice like practice, enunciate, and get lots of sleep to try and give you my own semi-unique perspective. In my time at TMI, I have both heard of and seen some pretty embarrassing talks. The biggest one that comes to mind is when a student had a full-on panic attack as she walked up to the podium and ran off the stage in a fright. I didn't see it myself, but I heard the story probably at least ten times as a freshman when I was first introduced to the idea of chapel talks. Probably not the best story to tell when trying to comfort an anxious person, but while that specific talk was usually pointed to when thinking of worst-case scenarios, no one ever remembered the student's name. And I don't remember it being mentioned again after my freshman year. So if someone can do so poorly on their talk that it doesn't even officially start and is used as a horror story for the rest of the year and people still don't remember who gave it, chances are, no matter how poorly you think you'll do or how badly you think you'll embarrass yourself, no one's gonna remember in a few days. Now sure, no one will remember it afterwards, but that doesn't mean it won't be embarrassing in the moment. So I'd like to point out that everyone will have to give a chapel talk. You won't be singled out. You can laugh with your friends afterwards because your talk was just as embarrassing as theirs. The worst part about chapel talk anxiety, in my opinion, is not afterwards or during, but beforehand. When your mind is spinning and you can think of everything that could possibly go wrong. A pen could stain your suit or you could drop your papers into a storm drain. Once the spiral of anxiety starts, logic is usually of no help, so I won't tell you to think of the hundreds of chapel talks you've already seen go smoothly, even though it's an excellent point. What I'd do if I were you, and what I did last night before my talk, is take something traditionally considered bad and use it for good. Most people say that denial and bottling up emotions is unhealthy, and if done incorrectly, they definitely are but what I've learned to do in the past year is push off my anxiety until later. It's okay to be anxious and to freak out, but give yourself a specific time to do it. If you tell yourself, I'm not allowed to think about it until 10 minutes beforehand, then you spend less time worrying. And even if you're so nervous you're shaking, the words are right there on the page to get you started. And speaking gives your mind something to do, letting you fall back into a familiar rhythm. Personally, I would very much prefer this chapel talk to be embarrassing than, say, a job interview or speech in front of people who are fully awake. Because, jokes aside, this is an amazing community. We have our ups and downs, but compared to other schools, this place is a haven. Do you know how unusual it is to be able to go through high school for four years and not see a single fight? How devoted our teachers are that they would sacrifice whole afternoons to answer questions and how respectful we are that we stand after every chapel talk so hopefully in a few seconds everyone is going to stand and clap even if they didn't like my talk and i'm willing to bet that when it's time for each of you to give a chapel talk your audience will do the same thing thank you
0: thank you for listening to tmi's panthercast we hope you enjoyed this episode if you did Please leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback and show ideas, so leave us a comment, email, or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter using at TMI Episcopal. For more news, ways to connect, and to learn about upcoming events on campus, visit our website at www.tmi-sa.org.